Good morning. I trust that we are all doing well by the grace of our Lord. Uh, I'm going to continue uh, with the series on the fear of the Lord. And today is the third part of that series. As I mentioned, it was to be a three-part series. Um, I'm going to add a fourth, but I'm going to do the fourth after a gap of just a couple of weeks, a few weeks. Um, so today will be the third part of the series on the fear of the Lord. In the first part, I shared about the four simple primary characteristics about the fear of the Lord. In the second part, uh, which was last week, I shared about the blessings that we receive, the benefits that we receive as a result of being a people who choose to learn and grow and walk in the fear of the Lord. And I hope you've been encouraged, strengthened in your resolve to be a people, to be a person who fears the Lord. And I want to be that. I want my Anaya to be that. Uh, my Farah was one who walked in the fear of the Lord. And I pray that Utsav as a community would have the testimony that the churches in, in Samaria and Galilee had, that they were built up in the fear of the Lord and in the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to specifically focus uh, on New Testament scriptures that directly and indirectly refer to the fear of the Lord. But before I go there, what I want to do is I want to begin with the opening verse from the book of Deuteronomy, again, putting my name and inviting you to put your name as we read Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, our opening verse passage for this morning on the fear of the Lord. I'm going to read it, putting my name, and I invite you to do the same as you read the scripture along with me. And now, Shannon, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I want to say that for us as a community, you can join me. And now, Utsav, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so, beloved, the fear of the Lord ought to be the foundation of our lives, a family, a community, and the Lord willing, even our nation. So what is the fear of the Lord? As I mentioned earlier, it is a deep respect and reverence for the Lord. It's a loving admiration and adoration and a great sense of awe that is produced in us by the revelation of God. It is the work of God himself. So as we focus today on the New Testament scriptures, about the fear of the Lord. The reason I am specifically devoting a morning to this, an entire message to this, is because there are uh, so-called Christians who try to suggest or even assert that they no longer should or need to fear the Lord. That was something they say was of the Old Testament when there was an apparent incomplete revelation of who God is. And uh, I on the basis of God's word, completely disagree with such a view. That is erroneous. It is dangerous. We ought to fear the Lord. And I'm going to specifically help us see passages in the New Testament that help us uh, gain a proper understanding about this. And many interesting aspects are found when we look at the New Testament scriptures in this very important subject. 
So I'm going to take us through certain uh, sequential parts to help us understand how we as a New Testament church, we as disciples of Jesus today in the New Testament ought to be a people who live and walk and grow in the fear of the Lord. So let's look at some scriptures. Firstly, there is a reference to those who do not fear God in the New Testament. How are people who, are, who choose not to fear a God looked upon by the scriptures? Romans 3.18. We'll go to Romans 3.18. And Romans 3.18 is describing, uh, making a list of the characteristics, the attributes of people who are unredeemed, who have not saved the wicked, and as it describes um, the characteristics of uh, an unregenerate, unredeemed people, uh, very strong words used over here, in verse 18, it specifically says, it sums it up. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the characteristic of an unredeemed people, beloved. This is the characteristic of unregenerated people that scripture is talking about. So scripture is saying the ones who don't fear God, there's no fear of God in their eyes, are the ones who are not saved, the ones who are not redeemed. That's how the scripture looks at those who choose not the fear of the Lord. Now let's go to the second thing. There is a clear uh, list of passages that command us to fear God. And I'm not referring, like I said, to the Old Testament. I'm referring here to the New Testament clear, explicit commands given to us to fear God. And it's wonderful to see how the scriptures articulate for us how we need to fear God, not just subjectively, but very objectively in various aspects of our life. And let's look at the scriptures to help us understand that. In Matthew 10, 28, for example, Jesus specifically commands us to fear God. In the sense, he says in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And you know what? Jesus is specifically over here addressing his disciples. He's telling his disciples over here that when you preach the gospel, when you live out your faith in me, you will be hated by all. You will be persecuted by people. And when you are threatened with persecution to the extent of even your life being at risk, do not fear them. Do not fear your persecutors, but fear God. He's telling whom? His disciples. He's telling his disciples, don't fear those who can destroy merely our bodies, but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell for eternity. Isn't that an explicit command? Look at the entire chapter. It is very clear, the text, the context, Jesus is not addressing just anybody. He's addressing and commanding his disciples, specifically in the context of persecution. And he's saying, don't fear just the ones who can destroy the body, but fear God who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Let's go to some another scripture in Luke 12, 5, in the other gospel. Luke 12, 5. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And verse 4, he's specifically saying, my friends. He's referring to his disciples. He's referring to the people who follow him. 
do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Again, the same context. Jesus is specifically, and in fact, he emphatically, he's saying, again, I say, again, I say, I tell you, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Let's go now to another context in the New Testament. The apostle Paul over here mentioning in recording for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. I'm going to take us through a lot of scriptures. That's precisely why I am doing this study this morning. I want to establish it clearly that the New Testament covenant people, the New Testament church is a church, the true church is a church that loves God with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength is a church that fears God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, the epistle of the apostle Paul. And he says over here, therefore knowing the fear of the Lord, that's what the apostle Paul says, he's owning it. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God and we hope we are made manifest also in your consciences. And he's specifically referring in verse 10, the earlier verse, he's referring to the fact that a day is coming when we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And he includes himself in it. He says, one day me and all of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he's therefore telling the believers that we who fear God are making every effort to persuade men to live lives that are worthy of his name. That's the Apostle Paul for us in chapter 5 of verse 11 of 2 Corinthians. We go to chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He says, this is so clear. He's saying, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It is impossible to grow in purity and holiness. As I mentioned last time in the blessings and benefits for those who fear God, one of it, the third was growing in purity and holiness. And here, explicitly the apostle Paul is saying that therefore having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God the fear of God is the foundation upon which we grow in purity we grow in holiness being set apart unto him but the whole fear of God burns in us like a holy fire Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 here we see another context about the fear of God I'm taking it sequentially book by book as we go through the New Testament. So it becomes easy for you to move your pages. So I'm trusting that you are actually having a Bible open in front of you, not just merely listening to me. So I'm making a safe assumption over there. Second, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Over here. And verse 21. And he's talking about uh, the church and the, the community of the church. And he's saying over here, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. I need to be subject to you. I need to be submitted to you. And you need to be submitted to me. And we all need to be submitted to each other in the fear of Christ. Why? Let's go back and refer to what 2 Corinthians Paul said. We will all one day appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So if in the fear of God, let us be submitted in humility, in the spirit of unity to one another. That is the Apostle Paul for a second Corinthians, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. 
Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5, he says they're slaves. It's another context over here, in the context of work. For all those of us who are in the corporate world, who are in the marketplace, he says over here, slaves be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ. So explicitly clear. I repeat it again. Slaves be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh. Those who are your earthly masters, your bosses, your senior managers, your VPs, your bosses in your workplace, your reporting managers, your reporting authority. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. He's saying, he's saying in verse 6 then, not by, by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And he's encouraging us to be sincere. He's, he's, in, he's encouraging us. He's actually commanding us in the fear of God to be faithful, to be excellent in our work in the marketplace. You know, that's a, that's a very important context of our lives. And, uh, and this is not to be ignored, beloved. So we see how the New Testament scriptures are speaking about the fear of God in very specific context in our community life, uh, in, the, in the fact that in the, in the context of persecution, in the context of our work, in our marketplace, we got to be up, up living in the fear of God and living out our faith, living out uh, our lives in the fear of God in all these different contexts, persecution, our community life as a church, in our marketplace. But there is more, even more in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. We go further in, in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 12, we see over here, again, talking about our sanctification. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation, how? With casualness? No. With carelessness? No. With fear and trembling. Why? Because though we are a redeemed people by the grace of God, Redeemed people have their own unique judgment before God, not the judgment that the unbelievers, the unsaved will face, where they are faced with eternal damnation. But yes, as a redeemed people, we will stand before God in judgment and each one will receive a reward according to the quality of life that they lived, whether they appropriated the grace of God effectively. And so, beloved, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the words of the Apostle Paul, not with callousness, not with casualness, not carelessly, but with, in the fear of God, with fear and trembling and trembling. That's the nature of the fear that Paul is talking about. He's not leaving it to our imagination. He's saying your fear must be such, it must make you tremble, tremble at his word, tremble at his lordship, that God, I want to be so in awe of you, knowing, being conscious of this truth, this fact that one day I'll stand before you and I don't want to stand ashamed. I want to hear from you. Well done. And we go ahead in, in, into 1 Peter. You know, here's the Apostle Peter talking to us in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And he says over here, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Knowing, he says in verse 18, that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold 
from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. First Peter chapter 1, 17 to 18. I read it again. If you address as father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. But he says in verse 19 now, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Beloved, we have not been redeemed with the with uh, with common things. We've been redeemed by the very blood of the Lamb. How costly is our salvation? How costly is our redemption and our sanctification? And so the Apostle Peter is over saying over here, as you walk the face of this earth, as you journey through this life as a pilgrim, do so in fear of the Lord. Because one day, as the Apostle Paul mentioned and commanded us, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Beloved, let me say it explicitly clear. Let us not play the fool. Let us not be dodgy. Let us not be manipulative. Let us not be deceptive. You know, life can get hard at times. But even as it gets hard, let us hold on to the fear of the Lord. Let us ask God for his grace that we will do what is right and pleasing in his sight. Your faith will be put to the test. My faith will be put to the test. Our character will be put to the test. But God's grace is sufficient for us that we will be able to make the right choices that bring him glory and honor. There are a lot of things that are outside of our control, but we can choose to resolve our inner hearts to walk in the fear of God. And I pray that we will make that good choice. Let's go ahead. You know, there are still more scriptures. We don't have time for it. But I want to move ahead to another category of scriptures in the New Testament that talk about the God-fearers. You know, the God-fearers are celebrated and acknowledged in the New Testament. We see that especially in the book of Acts. What I see in the book of Acts is that there were a, a, a kind of Gentiles, a kind of Gentiles who feared God. And it's interesting that it is to those Gentiles who feared the God of Israel that the Lord made known to them his salvation. He actually sent his disciples specifically to them to bring the good news, the gospel to them, and to bring his salvation to them and their household. And we, we have a very famous, a very well-known example in our dear Cornelius. Acts 10 to records for us. Now, there was a man at Caesarea known Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. That's Acts 1, 10, 1 and 2 for us. And it celebrates the life of Cornelius, a generous man, a kind man, a prayerful man, because he was a man who feared God. And look at how the word of God, the scriptures hold in high esteem those who feared God. We see that in Acts again, 10, 22. Um, it, it, and where his men who are under his uh, authority, soldiers who are under the authority of Cornelius, are commending him, are appreciating Cornelius to the apostle Peter. And they're saying, they said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, 
was divinely directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and hear a message from you. Wow. I wish that people speak about us in that way, that the people who are under us, the people who know us would tell others, you know what? This person, so-and-so person is a man and a woman who fears God. This family fears God. They're not an ordinary people. They are a special people. And what makes them special is that they fear the Lord. They are men and women who are righteous. They are men and women who walk in integrity. Now, that's a wonderful testimony. Acts 13, 16 speaks about <clears throat> Acts 13, the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 16. I beg your pardon. Uh, Acts 13, 26. Acts 13, 26. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the message of the salvation has been sent. Acts 13, 26. I read it again. Brethren, sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the message of the salvation has been sent. Look at how the New Testament scriptures here in the book of Acts hold in eye his team, those who fear God. And I want to, so I, I looked at three categories of scriptures in the New Testament. There are many more, and I will give that to you in my notes, those references of scriptures. But the, the first category I spoke about was those who do not fear God, the description of the ungodly, the unredeemed. Then I went to the second where the explicit commands to fear God in the New Testament. I didn't even complete uh, all of the list that I had. Explicit commands to fear God. And we looked at many scriptures there where there are commands to fear God in various aspects and situations of our life, whether in persecution, whether in our community, whether in our workplace, you know, where we are called to live out our lives in the fear of God or to respond to situations positively or negatively, that may be for us or against us. We need to respond to the situations in the fear of God. And then I thirdly looked at the category of people uh, in the New Testament which are who are held in high esteem who were God-fearers. The fourth, I just want to look at one scripture, uh, important scripture that we've looked at earlier, and that is in the book of Acts 9.31. I read that for you. And it speaks about the church, the churches that chose the fear of God, that grew in the fear of God, built up in the fear of God. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Acts 9.31. How can we even think for a moment that the New Testament scriptures or the New Testament, uh, being a New Testament people or a New Testament church, does not require us to fear God. No, beloved. We ought to be a people who learn, grow, and walk in the fear of the Lord. May that be our portion. May that be our inheritance. May that be our testimony that we are a people who fear God. That I be a man, imperfect as I, as I am, frail as I am, but strengthened by the grace of God, held by the grace of God, by the arms of God. Let me be a man who chooses the fear of God every morning when I wake up and choose the fear of God every night before I go to bed. May that be your resolve, you and your family. And so, beloved, once again, I ask you, 
to come to the Lord through his finished work. This is only for those who have a relationship with God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ by the presence, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The unbelievers, the unsaved cannot have this privilege. It's only the children of God. And so I invite you, even right now, to come to the Lord and to be a man and woman who fears God by surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He will forgive you of all your sins, give you a new life, and birth in you the fear of the Lord. And if you've had a wrong understanding, after listening to the scripture, you said, oh, Shannon, I, 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 I have, I've been ignorant about this. You know, I, I thought that we don't need to fear God. And, uh, I, 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 and, you're saying, and you're saying now that, no, Shannon, I realize I need to fear God. I, I want his fear uh, in my life. I want to treasure his fear in my life. Come to him. Confess your ignorance. Confess your, the falsehood that you believe and ask him to give you the fear of the Lord. The spirit of, will give you the fear of the Lord. And uh, number three, ask him to teach you, to help you learn and grow in it and walk in it. Uh, uh, before I close, I just want to even just clarify one thing uh, where that comes to my mind right now, which I'd written earlier, but I missed mentioning it to you. There is one scripture that speaks about uh, perfect love. First John chapter four, verse 17. Perfect love casts out all fear. And that scripture can be misunderstood to think that, oh, perfect love of the Father will cast out all fear, including the fear of the Lord. Beloved, read that chapter carefully, properly. It's specifically referring to the fear of God's judgment. The fear of the judgment for those who are unredeemed. We don't have to fear that judgment. And, and the Apostle John is specifically writing for us that God is love. And when his love comes into our heart, his love casts out every fear of eternal judgment, fear of man, fear of circumstances, and fear of the enemy. We don't have to fear the judgment of God that is going to be given out to those who are unredeemed. We have a judgment for the redeemed. Scriptures are explicitly clear for that. And we therefore are to have a healthy fear of the Lord. You just looked at the number of scriptures that have mentioned that explicitly clear. So once again, let us grow in the fear of the Lord, walk in the fear of the Lord. May the Lord bless you. Once again, I wanted to share with you that song that I wrote almost 14 years back on the fear of the Lord. It's a raw footage. I encourage you to and request you to put your earphones on so that you can just be able to receive something from the Lord as you listen to the song and as we go ahead with our service for this morning. The Lord bless you and your precious family. See you and we'll be in touch.